Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Thingy, there you go. And now, through the magic of technology, we'll play our tune. Hello Egg Chasers, this is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, We are just here in the Rugby Dungeon, well, two thirds of us are here in the Rugby Dungeon, and in a rare exclusive, we have myself in person, I'm Tim, we have JB as always in person. Of course. And in the, I, I, I feel... I feel like I'm uh, I'm being cheated on with my my shipping containers being he's <laughs> being cheated on with Phil. Yeah, he's loaded it onto some Maersk liner and delivered it to the south of France. Or where are you, south of France? Uh, central France at the moment, really. Ooh. Just, just keeping the shipping container warm for Tim. Wow, I'm going to say you sound very scratchy, mate. If, if that continues, we might have to go on without you. Really? Yeah. Is it? Is it? Sounds it? Sounds a bit better now. Uh, okay. So, as Tim would call it, Minecraft. Minecraft, yeah. right? So, just move your phone a little bit away, and you can carry on. <laughs> so, you're in you're in okay. French rugby heartland. Uh, a little bit further north than true French Nortley, uh, French rugby heartland. I'm in the Dordogne, mm-hmm. uh, which is a beautiful part of the world. But I see virtually no signs of any rugby taking place at the moment. In the towns that we've visited now, uh, and there's and there's not a lot of sign of uh, a good Wi-Fi connection there either. No, and to, and to be fair, <laughs> I mean you could go to Yorkshire and look outside today and not see much signs of, of rugby going on. So you know it isn't it isn't always explicit. Well, there is in the, in the town that I'm staying in, there was a single sports bar that I could get to show any of the rugby yesterday. So I had to watch it all on my my phone Ugh. from the apartment. Minging, minging. Devastated. Yeah. Especially if the Wi-Fi is as poor as it is now. Um, so, obviously, <laughs> on this podcast, we're going to be talking about the June tests, the almost Southern Hemisphere domination of of the North, of, <laughs> of the continuation of, do you want to say it, JB, hashtag? Downfall 2018. You <laughs> might have heard of it. It's a thing. There's a lot to get into. Um, so, let's just do it. Should we... Should we just dive into England? I think so. I mean, the thing about England is it's just such a monumental result, really. Or so many. I mean, let's just take away the English part of it and focus on the South African part of it. It was a truly monumentous, monumentous game for the South Africans. First black test captain. He did hell of a job. Loads of debutants, new coaches. It felt like a new era. And I, for one, am all for it because it's exactly what they need. Yeah, the game of rugby needs a strong South Africa. I'm, I'm all for that. I, I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a shame that the cameramen couldn't quite help 
with the uh, the build up to what was a momentous occasion because they, they were clearly on some sort of mind altering drugs. <laughs> so the camera work pre game was awful. Yeah, when you say mind altering drugs, you mean the same thing that Will Greenwood takes prior to broadcasts? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> he, he was off on one again. Uh, uh, yeah. So you tell me what, what you think, Tim, because I imagine you're going to be a little bit more sympathetic than I am. Well, yes. So. There's a lot of negativity, which I do understand, uh-huh. because that's now, well, Eddie Jones says only four de- defeats in a row because he doesn't count barbarians no. apparently, which is a, which is op- fair. I mean, you won't count. You won't oh, count come them. on. Well, the only thing I'm going to say is you wouldn't count them in a winning streak, would you? I would. Would you? Oh, well, against okay, that barbarians team and with that England team, yeah, hundred percent. So anyway, it's five five defeats for England in a row. But and so and so, I understand the negativity with the World Cup being next September and Eddie Jones was brought in to win it and it, things were looking so good just over a year ago. But a few little stats which I think are relevant here, just to simmer down and make everyone just 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 hold your horses a little bit. Australia, as an example, haven't won in South Africa. In seven years, they play every single year. Okay, Ireland blew a series two-one. Okay, France were hammered three-nil there last year, and that's without South Africa's players like Dwayne Vermeulen, Fafter Clerk, etc. Okay, and and with a coach that could you know had, had sort of lost the plot a bit, they came within a point of beating New Zealand without all those U- European players and, and the like. Okay, no England side has won at Ellis Park in forty-six years. Okay. We lost by three points. So I think it's just one thing. I'm not saying everything's great and everything's rosy, but a lot of people are massively underestimating and disrespecting what home advantage means to South Africa and the effect of altitude on altitude, yeah. on, on players that aren't used to it. Yeah, but Fafta Klerk's not used to altitude, or ne- nor is Dwayne, Dwayne Vermoulin, or anyone who plays in, uh, in Durban for the Sharks. I mean, yeah, very few players... Or at altitude for a lot of the time. So, well, but, that, but that's like saying that uh, it would be no advantage for, um, I don't know, a, an English fly half that plays at Exeter Chiefs ev- uh, every year would be at no advantage over a, someone who'd never played there before in relation to the the the, the unique winds that blow down I mean, there. You, you've experienced it and you kind of know what it's about. I mean, maybe, yeah, but, but okay, fine. Well, let's don't worry about the altitude then. But the, the the home advantage is huge and has been for South Africa even through this difficult period that they've had. Yeah, I mean, ultimately they are a rugby powerhouse, but it doesn't really get you away from what went wrong with England. And as lovely as this story is for South Africa, I think they would have been happy with a gallant loss to a powerful international team. I think that's where South Africa would be happy because they are rebuilding. As it happens, they were up against a, power, a powerful Tier 1 nation. A Tier 1 nation that built a, was it, 21-point lead, and they blew it. And, you know, I don't put this down to the players. I don't put this really down to South Africa, although some of their play was magnificent. Fafta Clerk was amazing. Put it all, all, all on, all on Eddie Jones. I mean, there is no, no other way to spin it. It is completely and utterly his fault from start, from start to finish. And the catalogue of errors are just inexcusable. He's getting to a point now where they'd be better off having no coach. And you think I'm you think I'm joking, I'm not. He's having a detrimental effect to that team, whether it be selection, whether it be the way he treats his players, the way he runs his training, the way he operates his substitutions, the way he selected that bench. 
every aspect which he's had input into for the last three or four weeks, maybe three or four months, has had a negative result. So people are talking now, oh, you can't change a coach. You can change a coach because they'd be better off without one. And that's basically where I am. Do you not see this as a, an improvement from their last couple of performances? No. Take, I... take, this, take, take the um, Barbarians game out of it, but the, the performances against Scotland, against France, against Ireland, do you not see some positives, some improvements from where they were? I don't, but I'm willing to listen to how you think they've improved. I think I, I completely agree with the first point that Tim made, that... This is, there are some enormous negatives here, and blowing a 21 nil lead in international rugby is simply inexcusable. Yeah. Um, I saw one stat from Stuart Farmer who said it, it is the highest uh, deficit comeback from any tier one nation ever. So, and that, almost actually, there's, is, there's only one other time in, the, in international rugby history where a team has overcome a. a um, well, it was a 23-point deficit that Wales managed in 1999 against Argentina. That's the highest. Okay. <laughs> but that, but that puts it in context that it's that rare, or it's that bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, both. So there are there's some enormous negatives. There are some positives, and England certainly in that first 15, 17 minutes when they scored the three tries, their backs looked razor sharp. And that's, that's something that we've not seen at all in the Six Nations see for the Italy. That is an improvement. I'm, I was kind of hoping that that is something from Wisemantle coming in and actually having an attack coach, which is something, JB, you've been calling for for quite a while. Yeah. Actually seeing some, some benefits from that. Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, you could say that was the case. You could just say this is a brand new South Africa team with uh, two debutants on the wing, a debutant in second row, a centre that hasn't played much, and then a handful of players that are just coming back into the fold after a couple of years in the wilderness, combined with brand new systems and brand new coaching. So is it a surprise that they scored early doors? No, not really. I mean, they were still get, getting used to each other at that point. The worrying thing for England for these next two tests is this South Africa team won't get any worse. They'll just be improving. I, I agree with that. Completely agree. South Africa... The, the, you said it last week and you were right. This was the time to strike because South Africa will be buoyed by confidence, buoyed by that performance and getting more used to each other. So South Africa will improve from this position. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you both a couple of questions. You can both yeah. pretend to be Eddie Jones and I want some, I want some answers. I want answers now. So, okay. first answer. Is Brad Shields that good? That not only is he better than all the all the English number sixes, he's also better than all of the English second row options which, which you can put on your bench. Um, uh, well, look, mate. Uh, <laughs> he always starts every sentence with "look." Yeah, uh, I, like he's going to put you straight on something. Look, uh, no, uh, I'm not going to answer that as Eddie Jones. I'm going to answer an, answer that from me. Well, the answer is no, but it, actually, that's disingenuous because. It's not all English players because he's taken his squad of players. And if you listen to our previous podcasts, you would have heard us all massively scratching our heads and really concerned at the individuals he chose to take on that tour. Yes. And that threadbare level of experience and quality in certain um, positions is really shown up when Joe Launchbury, for example, late 
was unable to take take his part in the side. Suddenly, you've got two newbies untested at international level in a cauldron, one of the most difficult places to go and play. And so on that basis, I do understand why he said, do you know what? I'm not going to have Nicky Zekwe and Johnny Hill in my matchday squad. I'm going to take someone with a... He's probably got the... You know, he's probably got it in him mentally a little bit more to handle that and cope with that. So... I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with Brad Shields on the bench. I, um, I have a massive issue with him not addressing that he might have been in this situation and taking someone like Charlie Ewells or even uh, you can't take a Dave Atwood because of where he plays. But Dave Atwood, although you can't take Dave Atwood because he, he's, he's con- registered at Bath. Yeah, he's yeah. Contracted at Bath. Yeah. So there you go. He's over there for personal reasons, what, whatever that means. So yeah, you absolutely could take Dave Atwood. The more concerning thing for me is what, you know, what about your bench? And then if you know you're weak in the second row, i.e. you don't have a spare second row, even though you do have a spare second row, yeah. it's not like uh, Johnny Hill had vanished off the face of the earth. right? You then make the, the only substitution which you can't afford to make, which is taking off one of your second rows. That means Rob Shaw's got to spend more time being a key line-out guy. He's a good line-out guy. I, d- I, don't, mind, I don't mind the Nick is, is equal change. Oh, I, I, do. I don't mind it. He was. I, I've watched it again, and the five minutes before he was taken off... Oh, mate, he was dreadful. Uh, what did he do wrong? Because I he, haven't rewatched it. He looked lost. He looked, uh, and I feel I feel for the guy because you know he could have been with the under twenties in France, dominating um, and getting loads of confidence. He he was go back watch watch the little passage of play before he gets taken off. He misses two tackles, gets up, doesn't stand in the defensive line, just kind of ambles, standing around behind the ruck, and. It, it's just ineffective looked like a rabbit in the headlights I've really felt for the guy but I don't mind the substitution at all uh, well I do because it was a back row coming on and then when that back row came on the line out started to struggle the scrum went backwards it just wasn't a good idea mm. and also you know poor Brad Shields I mean think about him for a second we all talk, we all say no he's not good enough this that and the other he might be good enough we simply don't know yet but I doubt he's good enough as an international second row and for that to be your debut is a really well, tough, tough call. I, I do have a thought on that. I actually think that Eddie saw Brad Shields just getting his phone out and trying to book a flight back to New Zealand on Skyscanner. So I actually went, right, you better get on now, quick. <laughs> get him on! <laughs> get him on before he does a runner. <laughs> so the excuse by Jones was he wanted more athleticism and quickness on the field. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, does he mean quickness to the breakdown? What does he mean by quickness? Because as in physically quick, no one in the pack is as quick as Nick Azikwe. Literally no one. Hmm. Allegedly, I have seen that that he, in the some of the testing previously, he was the fastest forward. Yeah, but it, they, there there are lots of different tests of speed. So, is he the fastest forward over 100 meters? Is he the fastest back to his feet? Is he the fastest over five meters? Is he the fastest at changing direction? Mental decision making speed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what. Yeah, uh, yeah, and these are yeah. all very reasonable things because I'm the first one to say speed to the breakdown does not equal speed over the pitch. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's the first one. So the Brad Shields, Nick, Nick Azikwe, bench comp- a composition thing, all of which were, ava- were avoidable. The thing which was really avoidable, however, was playing Mike Brown on the wing and Elliot Daly at fullback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, p- people can go back and listen to the podcast last week. I'll let Phil take the centre stage here. Go for it, Phil, because, I mean, <laughs> we were pretty united on this one last week. Definitely, definitely. Um Mike Mike Brown is so good in the air. He he played he played reasonably well at times on the wing, but he's not an international winger. 
He's, he's certainly at 30, he's not fast enough to be an international winger. Elliot Daly is fast enough to be an international winger, and he's not got the experience of the pressure, which we saw for, was it the second try or the third yeah, the try? Yeah, second it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, switch those two round. They both have better games. Uh, they might. Everyone, everyone seems to win. Yeah, that, that switch alone might have won England the game. I've been deadly well, serious about if, if, if Elliot Daly, if Mike Brown dots that ball down, which I have no doubt Mike Brown would have done, yep. because he, Elliot Daly flew in as fast as he possibly could and missed it. He had two seconds, three seconds. Mike Brown would have got that ball down or got it into touch either way. Yep. So just that, South Africa is seven points less, England win by four. And also, Daly's a much better defender than Brown because he's much quicker yep. on the wing. Yeah. So... You know, that switch alone, I mean, it's just so stupid. That's what I don't get. It's so stupid. Anyone who's an armchair fan could have picked a, a better team from that with the squad that he has. And I don't care what the excuses are. Uh, a, we probably all would have picked a better squad, full stop. But B, we would have picked picked a better matchday squad. Uh, and that's why it's not, not acceptable. He's the best paid coach in the world. I, I do think Elliot Daly showed quite a lot of... Over the last two games, if you it, well, Eddie Jones doesn't count the Barbarians, but I'm going to. But I think Elliot Daly showed quite a lot in the last couple of games to suggest that he could be really real handful at fullback at international level. So I, I think I understand his general thinking, which was this might be my test fullback for the next year or whatever up to the World Cup. However, yeah. like, like you say, I think if 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 you're picking the personnel you've picked because you've taken someone like Nathan Earl on tour who's never going to start an international game because you've got Denny Solomona who you know you don't believe in 100% defensively so you might leave him out of a game at Ellis Park with so little experience if that is the case then I, I, yeah right I don't, underst- I don't understand the logic of yeah. the, the 15 and, and 11 as they well, were but even Denny I mean Denny might miss a tackle but you're not going to run round him you know, you're not going to expose him for pace like you would with Mike Brown. And he's probably a bit stronger too. I, I will also say just just one thing on on Elliot Daly because I, I want to give him props because he did do a lot of good things. And there was one particular thing we talk about, um, and this is again that that def- in the defensive frailties which have over the last few games have just got been awful. How leaky England's defence have been, um, but that decision maker at 13. And you saw one moment when Elliot Daly saved a try by making that decision and stepping out and smashing Vili LaRue so he couldn't get the pass away to the winger. Um, you saw there that Elliot Daly has got that defensive brain. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I just wonder whether he might shore things up at 13, but clearly Eddie Jones doesn't doesn't want to do that. Well, they've got the 13 they need. Alex, Alex Lozowski should have been 13. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. Because Slade can do some interesting things. He's an interesting player. But if he was that interesting, he would have nailed down a regular starting spot at Exeter all the time. Now, with the best will in the world, he is a regular-ish starter, but there are other people that start just as much as him. 13, not so sure about that. And I don't think you can line him up next to Farrell. So Farrell, Ford and Slade, I mean, that isn't going to win you many games defensively, if any at all, to be fair. I, I would say that Slade is the first choice, comfortable first choice at Exeter. Exeter really? Yeah. I would also agree with your point that you can't start him and Farrell. No. You've got him, Ford, and Farrell. They're all, they're all too similar. And you got. It is, it, it is a point we made last week. You can, you're lacking that go forward. 
and, and again, to go with, forward and... with the squad that was selected, and the second Ben Teo dropped out, our hearts sank a bit because it's like, right, well, that means Farrell can't play ten. He's gonna, yeah. have, he's gonna have to be twelve. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, yeah. I think Lazowski would do a better job at twelve. To, to be honest, here's something which is really... than Farrell. Yeah. Oh come on. But why? I mean, yeah, right. You've got to you see, I, I don't mind. Like, you see, you've got a, a predetermined narrative. Yeah. You, you, and then you want to make the evidence try to fit your narrative rather than not... saying what you see. Farrell did not have a bad game. Well, I don't think he had a good no. game. Farrell played well. Did he though? Did he? Because he's the captain. He's the guy who's going to call the shots, control the game. And under his watch, he lost a 21-point lead. Under his watch? Under his watch. That's, that's absolutely right. It, what? It was, it was so, under everyone's watch. It so wasn't it's on specifically because he Ooh, had a bad game. And, and on your Eddie Jones narrative that it was all down to him, the penalty count was, whether it was 15-5 or 17-4, it was in that ballpark... They were not team system errors. They were individuals being brain dead, which yeah. is, again, this has been a feature of this England team for the Why last not? year. So I've thought about this as well. It's an interesting point you raised. Let's just go, go up to Farrell for one, for one bit. Uh, this is the interesting thing for me. You've got potential tens in Farrell, Ford, uh, and Sippers. Slade. Sippers. Right? Sorry, sorry, the guys on the field. Oh, yeah. Okay. All fantastic at kicking a ball. Brown can kick a ball. Um, Daly can Daly kick. can kick a ball, right? Yeah. The only one you wouldn't really want kicking a ball is probably May. But they, they can all do it. Yeah. They're all supposed to be able to control a game. Why couldn't they control the game better? I mean, there are things that you can do to control a game. And when you're that far ahead, you should be doing those things. Or ha- ha- yeah. have I got that wrong? What, well, watching the game, the repeat errors from all sides, from everyone in that England team, in between about minute 20 and up to about minute 67, just gave them no chance. They, they had no chance to get possession. They therefore lost territory. It, it was just it was a compounding error. Put it down to whatever you want. I, I, I don't think you can put it down to Owen Farrell specifically. I think you can put it down to a bit to do with altitude, a bit to do with uh, new combinations playing together, a bit to do with the atmosphere, the intimidating atmosphere, and probably a bit to do with Eddie Jones and lack of leadership, but certainly not Owen Farrell. Mm. Weird, it's a weird sentence, isn't it, to say, you know, after our third try in 15 minutes, we looked shambolic. <laughs> <laughs> but <Yeah>. It started <laughs> like it's as good as England have played. It, it, yeah, yeah, it is. I, again, I, I put that on to you know, lack of experience from, from the spring box. And also the, the whole idea of it being a cauldron, it was pretty quiet after those three tries had been scored, as you'd expect it they to did. be. Yeah, they did well time on So, uh, you know, <sighs> there, there are so many questions to answer here. I so, well, well, well let's, so let's, let's ask this question. So, Phil, what do you change? You are ready, Jones, right? Boom, you've, got to, you've just got to make your selection. What do you do next week? Good question. Uh, I really, really hope and pray that Launchbury is fit, because I, I think he'd make a massive difference. Agreed. Um, I would be tempted to start Nathan Hughes as well as Billy Vanatola. Now, it's something I've said in the past, uh, six and eight for those two, which they finished the game with, and for the last ten minutes, England did look better, Um, simply because you need more ball carriers. Billy looked ineffective um, a lot of the time because that Southampton package is so big and so strong so I'd be tempted and if you bring in so Tom Curry tackled phenomenally his work rate was incredible 
if you bring in someone who works as hard like Launchbury, you can possibly carry another ball carrier. Hmm. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. That that just worries me because, as you said, Billy was ineffective. Nathan Hughes looked at a little bit like he wasn't the Nathan Hughes he has been. They're both a bit undercooked. I th- I just worry about the two of them not quite being the Billy Vanapola and the Nathan Hughes that we know they can be. But to, together, if you've got Billy carrying, then Mako carrying, then Nathan carrying, surely you're going to get some front football, you're going to create some go forward, and you're going to allow the backs, hopefully, to do what they did in that first 15 minutes, which was click. Yeah, and we saw when, when they carried well and blew the blew the, the contact area away like they did for 15, 20 minutes, it, the England looked devastating again. And they did it. So in the last 10 minutes, when he totally scored that try, Mako was actually um, yellow-carded at that point. But England's pack, with Billy and with um, Nathan, and with Brad Shields, who carried repeatedly in that time, actually, managed to get front four, despite being seven against eight and significantly outweighed because you've got 20 stones uh, with a yellow card. They managed to get go forward and put the pressure on. So I don't think he'll do it, but I'd just like to see that. Yeah, that's I, I want to see the combo. That's uh, interesting. Uh, and anything in the backs for you, Phil? Uh, I probably wouldn't start. So I'd swap Brown and Daly. Um, on on Brown and Daly, the point you were making before, I can kind of see the logic because basically what uh, Eddie Jones, to me, is saying that in uh, a bit over 15 months' time, Mike Brown will be 33, turning 34, um, and he doesn't see him still having the pace at that level. So Elliot Daly, he signalled that Elliot Daly or Anthony Watson are going to be his men for the next World Cup at 15, but Elliot Daly has virtually no game time in the heat of battle at 15. Mm. So it, it reads to me almost like he was willing to sacrifice this game to get Elliot Daly good experience in that position. But even with that, I would still switch them because it, you've got to decide, do you want to win this game or do you want to have the best chance to win this game to build some confidence and some momentum? Just or Win the next game. Every players... game, win the next game. I'm with you on that, Tim. Always win the next game. Yeah, and I am as well. Win the next game. So those two swap. And I, I would be tempted to put Lazowski at, at outside centre. I would also be tempted to put Elliot Daly at outside centre if we were satisfied that Denny could do a efficient job, but I think they'd target him. Mm. Yeah, quite possibly. So I'm basically well. Okay, so there are two solutions I've, I have. One includes players who are not in the squad, so I don't know. No, we don't need else. to hear about that one because so, we, we we know what you want. Uh, uh, Don Armand, Alex Good, Don Armand, Don, uh, Brad Barrett, Brad Barrett, yeah, fine. Alex Good. With the with the inadequate squad squad that Eddie has selected. Okay, so it's not going to be Nathan or Ben Earl, so park that idea. It's not going to be Pierce Francis, park that idea. Um, so what do they have available to them? Woodward's a good player. I would definitely want to have a look at him. Uh, he is a good player. Lazowski simply has to play thir- uh, 13. There, there's no, there, there are no ifs or buts. Uh, wing swap between Brown, Brown and Daly, certainly. I think I would drop Brown completely, uh, maybe give Wood, give Woodward a go. I mean, why else is he on tour? He's a great fullback. He's incredibly skillful and very, very dangerous. Now, could he be caught short? Yeah, but no more than 
no more than Elliot Daly was. Um, up front, I think I'd keep everything almost exactly the same as the first test. And it's the bench, I think, that needs to work. Whether Brad Shields is still there or not, I don't know. But you need to have second row cover. And you need to have like for like cover. Mm-hmm. You can't go... It is irresponsible, actually, to go into a test without second row cover and have both of your second rows, who, you know, they are legitimate second rows, but they are also second rows slash back, back row, too. Yeah, they're five and a half, aren't they? Yeah. It's, isn't it weird how Eddie had a, an obsession with locks and was putting locks on the flank, and now he's putting flankers on the in the lock yeah. position? <laughs> weird. Uh, Johnny Hill needs to play. Uh, also, the other thing is the line-out. The line-out was okay. The stats bear that out. I think they lost two, but they were under pressure. And they were they were getting... It wasn't that. It was just that every time South Africa got it, they were driving them 20 metres and, and extracting a penalty sometimes. Yeah, no, the penalties are interesting. Because the guys giving away the penalties are not renowned for giving away penalties. And I wonder if these penalties are a product of them being under pressure, which are not un- usually under. Oh, who yeah, knows? Some of, them, know. some of them were brain-dead brain yeah, decisions. Yeah, but they're not brain-dead players. No, 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 I, I completely... Do you so, know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's heads, it's you a head You can understand, wouldn't you? If you're like, oh, look, Will Skelton, again, right? Which is why he doesn't play for Saracens. <laughs> but Marrow and Mako... Yeah, not brain dead players in the no, slightest. Although I did love that um, on Mako, I love... There's no, I've never seen anyone run out or, sorry, walk out ahead of the team for their 50th cap um, looking less bothered. Yeah. <laughs> he does have a very nonchalant look about him, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, I love it about him. <laughs> so, Launchbury in, agreed... Um, back row. I I I don't know. I'd I'd be willing to try something. I actually well, Curry actually did all right. To be fair to him, he did all right. He did all right. He looked goosed after a while. They all did. Yeah. Um, and Billy, Curry, Billy, and somebody else. Billy's not fit. Um, but hopefully he Billy's will be. Billy's not fit. Billy Van Well, look at him. He's not. He's not. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the bench. So to start with the bench. Yes, it would be. 100%, even if you change nothing else, Robson on the bench, Cipriani on the bench, oh, a lock on the bench, Lozowski on the bench, and a another. How did I forget to mention this? I would play, I'd also play Sippers ahead of Ford. I thought Ford had a, a good game, actually. Yeah, I thought it was I, one of his better games. I, we, lost by three point, I, we lost by three points. The margins were so narrow, and it's because of the way that the game panned out that it, it was cruising to then capitulating... Look, is, is what yeah. made it is is what makes it feel worse. But we lost by three points, which could have been remedied by Cipriani, Robson, Lazowski on the bench, for example. Yeah, yeah, better rather than on the bench. like Piers Francis coming off the bench. Yeah, I do. What? This is genuine now. What position is he? I don't know, mate. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I genuinely don't know. Twelve, I think. Yeah, so I don't know. Is he? He's something like a ten or a twelve, right, Phil? Uh, I think he's a utility 10-12. I don't know which he's better at because I don't think he's particularly good at either. So the problem being is I'm sure he is a 10. I think he's a 10, right? But he's obviously not there as a 10, is he? Because you've got Farrell, <laughs> Ford, Farrell, Cipriani, He must be there Slade. as a 12, he must be. He must be there as a centre. So, oh. Well, yeah, given, given that, well, who else is there as a 12? That's exactly right. So, here's another, <laughs> here's another question for you. Which was the game where you saw Piers Francis and said, yeah, that is my international centre? He looks okay against the Barbarians. Mm. So yeah, I, it's got a, got a nice try. I wonder if um, 
this is something to do with the Brad Shields thing, which is because they play in Super Rugby, they're automatically better than everyone else, regardless of what the actual end product is. Yeah. Yeah, and look at the difference. Um, so Eddie Jones doesn't believe in club form translating to the international arena. Uh, and then let's look at two of the best performers in the Premiership this year in their position. Well, no, the best position, best performers in their position in the Aviva Premiership this year, Faf de Klerk, Vili LaRue. Faf de Klerk, take club, What do you know? Take club form yeah. straight onto the international let's, stage. Would you believe it? Let's just talk about Faf for a second. I mean, you might know, I quite, I quite like the guy. One, <laughs> that is one of the performances of the last five years for a scrum half at international level. Well, just any, any test performance from an individual since, oh, since the last World Cup. He is so good. Like, his passing is sometimes erratic. It started erratic. He occasionally throws absolute custard pies. But his energy, <laughs> and that's what I love about him, you know, it's the energy that he brings. So, do you know, uh, Aaron Smith was playing this weekend, obviously against France. Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith. And he's running around, he's chopsing at the ref, and he just doesn't do himself any favours. Whereas if you watch Faf de Klerk for five minutes, you almost get a sense of the energy that he brings. And he's always, he's always positive. Like, that's his general demeanour anyway, to be fair. But he's always positive around the field, uh, you know, encouraging everyone. And what I, what I thought when I looked at Vili LaRue, who was outstanding as well, and Faf de Klerk, and, and just that whole uh, South African side, is Razi Erasmus has come in and he, it seems like he's said, let the boys play. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> it, and it seems like, by, in contrast, there's England players who, like you say, in, in the Saracen setup, for example, Maka Vanapola is a rampaging bundle of energy who just looks suddenly heavy-legged and like he's not sure where he should be yeah. when he's playing for Eddie Jones. Ma- Marrow as well. Ma- yeah, it particularly affects Marrow. Uh, I-, I tell you, the other guys, just some mentions of South because I feel like we've harped on about England. Dwayne Vermaelen, oh my goodness, yes. what a player. There's not many eights in the world that are substantially better than Billy. But on that day, oh. yesterday, he was. Ball carrying was incredible. Andy was like a, was like a mollusk at, on, at the breakdown. Yeah, he was he, he was superb. He was outstanding. Uh, the two wingers on debut. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. You, they were. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, now I want to say Deante or something. Or yeah, and and, and cozy. Yeah, like and the, cozy. the speed of his footwork. Like Brown went over on his wing for that first try. Like, oh, that was a bit easy. But then he he gets the ball, and his foot speed is just phenomenal. And then after that, they just they're, they're marauding all around the field. They're causing a nightmare for everyone. Yeah, they're, they're going to. I think South African World Cup are going to be a very serious proposition if this continues. Mm. I, I thought Johnny May played well. Yes, agreed on that. He did. I, I also like. It's almost as if sometimes someone's told him that the touch lines are the try lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's the only player was... that can go 50 metres backwards but beat four defenders yeah. in the process. Yeah, there's a bit where the conversation said, that's very Johnny May ish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, how many more games does Eddie need to lose before he's fired? He's not going to get fired before the World Cup. It's not going to happen. Phil? It's, um, even though he's conceded 105 points in the two games, I don't think he's going to get fired before the World Cup unless he concedes 105 points in one game. Oh, I think he's on his way out. I think two more losses, and they will happen, and there's going to be some very serious conversation, and it's how they lose. So, I've got a question for the two of you. Yeah, go on. Is there a... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...of the JV Cup. Sorry, I said again because you're really breaking up. Is there an opposite of the JB Cup? I think is what Phil said. Uh, yes. So, no, is the answer. As in the... The, the the losingest streak. <laughs> yeah, longest tier one losing streak. Hey, in well, World boys, League. boys, if, if you want, I mean, there is a space open for you to invent that cup. I, I know a guy who could administer, who could, who could administer it. The BJ Cup. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you fancy the Tim Cocker Cup? No. You should, I, Phil, I'm, I'm not interested. The, in the Phil Logan Cup. Putting my name to it. Nah, I'm okay. Are you absolutely sure? Sure. Uh, oh well. Yes, if someone, if someone wants to start the BJ Cup, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but no, just a, a couple of other things, just on the game in general. Sky Sports WWE style promo shots for Love. the team lineup. I quite liked it. I mean, I hate it for football because they look like idiots. But for some reason, I liked it for the, I liked it for rugby. So yeah, I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, I'm okay with that as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a bit of fun. Um, it, I just generally, it just, it's just odd. It, because a lot of the things have fallen into place that people wanted. Dylan Hartley's not around, which was one of the big bugbears of England fans. A genu- yeah. We had a genuine seven, which is one of the bugbears of England fans. Um, yeah. And yet the defence is leakier than ever, and some of our key players are just looking like they're... Uh, and it's going to get harder, as you say. South Africa are going to get more and more cohesive. Marks can come in at hooker. Etzebeth can come in at lock. Oh, good God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and the, I, I actually thought the game was lost uh, in the front five. Yeah. Potentially, and I know much maligned players get much maligned, but potentially, and I know he did. He does a lot around the park, but potentially Dan Cole and Joe Launchbury and England win. Yeah, or simply just swap Brown and Elliot. I mean, that's... Well, that's another way. Elliot Daly. I mean, that, that's also... An there are so many ways to win this game. Um, I guess that's the main point, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Brad Barrett, England win. Alex Good, <laughs> England win. Yeah, there are so many ways to win this game. Oh, right. Whatever. Mm. Fine. Who, who watched France? Yep. Hell yeah. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Because they're a team that I really... It was heartbreaking for you because you'd been, to me, on WhatsApp, you'd been bigging up France for a couple of days, actually. I was so convinced. And you certainly were going to win. I thought it'd be close. I did think it'd be close. I thought thought it'd be a narrow New Zealand win. But no, it's... Uh, And what what did I say on the Friday? 40 points. Yes. You said make it a 40-point win and you got it nearly on the nose, to be fair to you. And and I... um... There was a few people tweeting, tweeting me at half time, going, "This is good, isn't it?" And I was, I was loving it. And I said, "Yeah, but 
second half, it's going to... You can look at my tweets. Go and have a look. I said second half, New Zealand all there, will, will canter away. Yeah. So it's, it was inevitable. And as much as France, and there's there's been a load of French journalists saying that New Zealand were cheated because of the yellow card that was never a yellow card. That is true. I don't think that, that was a yellow card. Well, well no. Whether or not you think it's a yellow card or not, that result was, was never never going to change well, not even with a red card and a yellow card and no, no yellow card for France no 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 no. well I don't know I think it could do no I mean it certainly wouldn't be the same result it's still an even win probably but you don't know do you you just don't know you, t- you talk about oh man the players Laumape off the bench Dimac off the bench yeah they were so good it was ridiculous Dim- they Damian was. McKenzie off the bench oh. is un- unreal he's yeah. just incredible yeah, they were very, very impressive. I mean, yeah, they're impressive again. So a, f- a few things from me. Aaron Smith is a moron. I say this because he's a very good player. He's yeah, a, he's a, he's a he is. He is the best nine in the world. Him and Conor Murray are vying for one and two. Actually, they're not. Um, Aaron Smith is the best in the world, and Conor Murray is probably the second best in the world. I think that's fair. But here's where I really get annoyed. Actually, no, Faf the Clerk is the best in the world. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Yep. Uh, this is where I get annoyed with him. He just doesn't stop talking. Like he costs his team ten, uh, uh, ten yards, which you hardly hardly ever see for back chat. Um, he's just a bit of an idiot, and I think he needs to cut that out of his game. Not so much because fans don't like it, or it's not you know not good for the game, or so on and so forth. It's so he can get the most out of himself. It's his only weakness is the fact that he's a bit of an idiot. Yeah, agreed. Um, what else did I think think about the game? Oh, come on. Let's have a chat about Luke Pearce. Well, exactly like you said, I thought he had a great first half in the way that he marched Aaron Smith back. And he said to uh, he said to the skipper, who was the captain on the day? Um, Bastrill? Whitelock? Uh, Whitelock. He said to Whitelock, Sam, don't be telling me, I'm going to make the decisions here. And then a second later, he went Aaron Smith's back chat, 10 more. So I, I thought he really asserted himself brilliantly on the I game. I think he took a big risk. And I think his risk was, I'm going to referee this game in the most fluid way that I can and make as many decisions without having to refer to the TML. That's what I think. I think that's that was his process. And that's fine. And because of that, I'm not going to be too hard on him regarding the... Oh, Phil's gone. Phil's gone. That's uh, right. Regarding the Grosso incident. Yeah. But he, but he was wrong there. But people have got to understand that is the trade-off. If you want a referee that's going to run around, make decisions, not go to TMO, keep the, keep the game flowing... Occasionally, he might miss stuff. I know, and how many? Well, okay. So this is this is one thought on this. When I look at everything, even before you go into having a look at any individual decision, here's just a thought: for rugby fans, like to pretend we like to pretend we have this superiority over football fans because of things like we like to brag about how we respect the referee. Mm. So maybe let's have a game go by or a weekend go by where Twitter isn't just full of people who would rather bitch about refereeing yeah, decisions. it's not the same as, like, singing the referee's a wanker. No, it's the not stands, the same. Is it? It's not the same, so but this... But we this, are superior. This ped, this, yeah, but the pedestal we put ourselves on is looking lower than it lower than it used to be because, exactly as you pointed out, Luke Pearce, rightly or wrongly, whether you look at any individual decision, and wrongly in a couple of key uh, examples, he made a decision in good faith... And like you say, trying to keep the game uh, based on what he saw 
and keeping the game flowing. And and when people go to the TMO, everyone bitches about, oh, he's going to the TMO again and again and again. Well, someone does it a different way and you still find a way to have a yeah. bitch and a moan. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I think he did. He did a great job. But the unfortunate thing, right, it's kind of like not wearing your seatbelt, isn't it? Which is, you don't wear, don't, don't wear your seatbelt and nothing happens until something happens. Yeah. And it was such a catastrophic hit on, on Remy Grosso. And it was so clearly a yellow and a red that, t- to me, it, it wasn't worth his risk to do it. And when he's adju- when they adjudicate on him or when they do his referee assessment, they'll probably say that. They'll say, you didn't use the TMO enough. You know, there is a what, why real is bad t- injury. Well, the TMO has the discretion to say, um, Luke, I'd like you to look at some foul play. That's an interesting question. I don't know why the TMO didn't do that. But, you know, looking at it again, it is 100% a red card to somebody and 100% a yellow card to somebody. I, I, I don't disagree that I would have been okay with a red card being given. Um, I do... And I know it comes from a good place, but um, some people are saying oh, it's just like Sonny Bill Williams against the Lions. Um, similar. Well, similar, but Sonny Bill Williams against the Lions was high and upright. Yeah. Uh, whereas whereas Tunga... Oh, Tunga Farsi? Farsi? Oh, forget the name. The, the New Zealand prop yeah. um, he is bent over yeah. in, in a textbook tackling position and Grosso is stooping down and this ah. all happened you watch in slow motion yeah, it looks yeah, different yeah. you do it in 100 miles an hour like full pace not 100 miles an hour 100% speed 120% speed 100% speed and it, there's there's only good faith and good intent there, and it was a textbook tackle position. The French player dipped into it, so I just I have sympathy for the thought process that Luke Pierce went through, which is penalty only because the player was dipping mm. into contact, and it was really low. I mean, what what was the prop meant to do? What was the New Zealand prop meant to do other than I don't know? So you well, got, there's nothing he can do at that point. Yeah, so you've got the players mixed up, I think. Because Sam Kane is the guy that comes in to yeah. the, from the side. So Sam Kane, for yeah. me, because he's got a high swinging shot. It wasn't connect, a high swinging it shot. It was. It, his his fist. It was a tackle, but because Grosso is dipping, it it went across his back. It wasn't. Sam Kane wasn't trying to hit him in the head. No, no, he wasn't trying, but he hits him in the head. That he is, does. Yes, that's yeah. a fact. They both connect with his yeah. head. That Correct. then, right? So Sam Kane is reckless in the extreme. It's that connection which then propels How him. How is it in, reckless in the extreme? If it, it's that, that it was is not... reckless. If, if you manage right, oh. if you manage to hit a man in man in the head, whose head then collides with a twenty stone man's shoulder, and then both your head and the man whose shoulder has connected with the other man's head's head connects with your head, and someone ends with a ends up with a fractured skull, you've been reckless in the extreme. Listen, I, I, as I've said, I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't be a gate if Luke Pierce had decided both players deserved a red card, having gone to a TMO. I wouldn't have complained. Yeah. So let, let me just be clear on that. What I'm saying is, the prop acted in perfectly good yep. faith. Yep. And was trying to make a legitimate tackle, and I'm not sure what else he could do nope. with with Grosso dipping down that low. Yep. And Sam Kane was not swinging an arm. He was making a tackle, but because Grosso's body was in motion, moving downwards. His arm didn't connect with his ribs. It connected his arm connected with his neck and face. So I get it. The outcome could have been a red card, fine, but it wasn't. But saying yeah, yeah. So, it was Sam like Kane's, a reckless swinging no, arm. Sa- no, Sa- Sam Kane's not a thug. No, the other lad's not some pariah who uh, is you know uh, out, um, outlawed from general society now. 
No, it's just you know, a rugby incident, but it's a rugby incident that, re- that requires action and cards. Uh, so I actually think the red card was for Sam Kane and the yellow card would have been for the prop. I don't disagree. What I do disagree with is the 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 kind of the way that rugby fans have reacted to it. Uh, one suggesting that there's like a New Zealand conspiracy is quite like it's much more widespread than you, th- than you think. That, that people are thinking that it's just because it's New Zealand. The Have ref you been didn't following Brendan Gallagher on on Twitter? Sorry, Have you been following Brendan Gallagher on Twitter? Mate, he's, he's not alone. There's a lot of people with their <laughs> tin foil hats on, thinking there's some big global it's a conspiracy. Cozy conspiracy of what exactly? Yeah, I know, and it's it's bonkers. So I would I wouldn't mind red cards. I don't mind if they both get cited. And get Luke. banned. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, I think Luke Pearce acted in good faith. The players acted in good faith. Luke Pearce maybe made the wrong decision or didn't go to the TMO. Fine. But let's stop talking that the players were thugs and let's stop talking that the referee was biased or. No. Luke Pearce made the wrong decision because he decided to ref the game in the wrong manner. Yeah. Okay. But the manner he does ref it in can ultimately result in a brilliant game. And I think that's why he decided to do it. Well, yeah, and unless again, as much as we should, as we did, focus on the incredible attacking player of South Africa, the, the beautiful attacking player in New Zealand. Yeah, they're was, annoying, aren't they? It was annoyingly so, good. So good. So good. Um, Ireland. That, f- that first half was um, was very interesting. Ireland. Don't um, talk about Ireland. Tell everyone about Cornerstone. Cornerstone razors, the best razor you can get, we believe. And because you listen to Egg Chasers, you get a special, exclusive offer that you can take advantage of, which means you can try Cornerstone for, well, a few shekels, nothing. So, for £4, just £4, less than a pint, right, that mm-hmm. you may be bought at the pub whilst watching the rugby at the weekend, for less than a pint, you could get yourself six, a cartridge of six precision-engineered, award-winning cornerstone razors that will get delivered in a presentation box with a free aluminium-engraved, weighty well, metal shaft. Sorry, Tim, I'm going to have to interrupt you here. I, I know you're mid-advert. Go on. But I do another podcast with um, some pilots, yeah. and they mentioned to me they get annoyed when you say weighty aluminium shaft, as it's used in the aviation industry because it's not weighty. So why um, do we say a highly engineered? Well, it has got a weighty. It, it does ha- have a weighty. It, it. it must be something else besides maybe, aluminium. Maybe it. it's got a weighty core with a high-tech aluminium casing. There you go. Yeah, a weighty metal core <laughs> with a high-tech light aluminium casing engraved with your initials that's exactly what it is uh, sent to you for just four quid go to cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers that's cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers or egg ten at checkout Ireland will be gutted yeah yeah they will um, this is what happens I think when you play a very successful system and you can't deviate and you don't deviate uh, eventually you will lose I don't think they're going to lose many more I think they'd be mad to go away from what they're doing. But I just think occasionally this will happen. And it, you know, it just happens to coincide with going to Australia. Yeah, and again, much as Phil was saying earlier that you know he thinks Eddie Jones thought, well, Elliot Daly's going to be my fullback come World Cup time. You also think Joe Schmidt was thinking, well, if something happens to Johnny Sexton, I need the next cab off the rank to have had plenty of game time. So I'm going to give Joey Carberry a start. Mm. Um and one of the consequences of that, you don't have a guy like Johnny Sexton inside, you lose to Australia. Yeah, I mean, there are a few people on the medium of Twitter, which we like to talk about, suggesting this wasn't Ireland's first first choice team. 
it was only a couple of players off. Yeah, it, it wasn't like England's team, I guess. No. And also, there were space uh, times in that game where they did have their first choice team out. When they did bring on the, bring on the substitutes, and they still leaked points. And it, well, it did make a big difference when Furlong came on, and when Sexton came on. Mm, it did, but they still conceded more points. Mm. Uh, I thought Curtly Beale was magnificent. He was great. Uh, just he makes such a difference to that team, and I think at, at twelve must be his best position. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, I thought they exposed Stockdale brutally in the air. Oh, Falau in the air. Now, wow. Is, is this because God's got his back? <laughs> uh... So I was thinking two things. Um, did Ireland lose this because of tighten, because of liberalised abortion laws? And also, was God helping Falau because uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't believe in gay marriage? No comment. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I mean, that, 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 that stacks up if you're looking for correlation and causation, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that, that makes sense totally. Yeah. Um, I've also got to say... Wait. Um, oh, come on. I'm just waiting for this advert to finish. I've also got to say... How good having David Pocock back in international rugby. <sighs> He's oh, not my favourite. Oh, my goodness. He's mate. not my favourite player. I'm why is he not like... your favourite? Why is he not? Why I, don't you like him? I just don't like... I, I don't know what it is. I think he's so one-dimensional with what he does. He just get, oh, no, he's, he isn't for me. For me, I, I would I would hike up a mountain on bareback horses and pitch a tent with David Pocock because he could go foraging for uh, some natural. Yeah, but how far would he get? He'd end up chaining himself to a tree. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be terrible to go foraging with. Uh, yeah, I went to get food, but I ended up on a protest march. So, <laughs> fend for yourself, Tim. Oh man, when Poopa are, t- are together, <laughs> it's something else. It got into a World Cup final four years ago, and you wouldn't bet against those two masterminding Australia to uh, another World Cup final next year. Uh, yeah, except for one thing. Except for one thing. They're both great, but they have an Achilles heel. Do you know what that Achilles heel is? Sevens like James Haskell, who can just neutralise them. And I think that's one of, the, one of the places that Ireland went wrong. They sort of tried to go man for man with them with Omani out there and it's not necessarily a good a good tactic you need to be so good at the breakdown so quick at the breakdown but if you are you've then got Australia have then got two players who can't do what they're set out to do and therefore very ineffective mm. so it, it's always like it's kind of like a game of chess isn't it if, if those two if those two players are present you need players like Haskell if they're not present then you can't have players like Haskell because the thing he's there to do is no longer effective. So you need to kind of get the right team balance. Mm. But they were very impressive, to be fair. They were. And, and over an 80-minute period, even if you had different type of players in an opposition back row, they're going to get their moments because they're that good. Yeah. Uh, I thought Stockdale had a nightmare. Not a nightmare. I thought he was overmatched by Falau. And I thought that the Australians went to that corner so often. It yeah. was actually quite demoralising for them. And the thing about Ireland is... They didn't want to play the play the way out of trouble, even when they needed the points. They were happy to kick it. James Ryan's lost a game now. Yeah, there we go. He's mortal. Yeah. So was his unbeaten stretch as long as Mario Atoji's? Because I think it was. Yeah, I think was it was it? longer. Because it was he, two games longer. Because Atoji had won a Grand Slam like Ryan. He'd won a European Cup and the and a, and a Premiership. I think Marrow's was like 21 games and Ryan's was 22 or something like that. It was close. It doesn't really matter how long it was. It's Doesn't still bloody matter. amazing. Yeah. Uh, 
Are those two going to be the Lions' second row pairing, do you think? Are they that good? Or are they too similar? Oh, they? that's a long way off. Yeah, but it's fun I mean, to speculate about, isn't it? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against Alan Wynn still being uh, the, way, the way he's going. So what are you saying for the next Lions? Alan Wynn and Paul O'Connell? Yep. That, that, that's yeah. what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I thought I'd, I, I loved seeing... Again, I, I think it's, the world game is better for uh, having a strong South African side and also an Australian side that's a, a real bona fide threat. Bang on. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. Ireland will be, will be disappointed, though. They need to get better. They lost that, like we said, they lost to South Africa 2-1. That will still be hurting them. They they need to they need to go to these sides away from home. Oh, do you know what they did dominate. Pre- pre-match for the Ireland game? Is they Oh, had... my word, yes. Oh, ha- well, well, hang on. Hang on. How are we missing this? So pre-match, of course. Now, I've been critical of Welcome to Country before. No longer. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, so the, so the, the, who, the, indi- his... the indigenous welcome. What was his name? He's an absolute legend. I don't know what the guy's name was. Uh, I had his name writ- writ- written down. But he should be the official wallaby Welcome to Nation person. Because I, I can get behind that. I can get behind that big time. So, do you know what was his first order? Everyone skull your pints. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I'm in. I mean, it, 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 is, it isn't difficult. That, that was class. But the only thing they did uh, pre-game was they had quotes from players. So, I want to be like, I've never beaten uh, Ireland. This is this means the world to me. And the, the Irish players will say, we need to do this, this, that, and the other. And they just have these quotes over, almost like a training montage. And I wish that they'd quoted Falau saying, not really heard of Ireland before. Yes. Don't, don't know anything about them. For, I mean, that would have provided a bit of motivation for the Irish team. But to be fair to Falau, he was, he was, he was awesome. And Corribetti was class. Oh, yeah. Uh, they be interesting to see how, see how they go next time around. I do expect Ireland to pull this one back, actually. I think so. I, I think they will select Sexton, they will select Furlong, they'll select McGrath, and that'll make a monstrous difference. Who have they got on the, as their wing options? Because I would be very wary of sending Stockdale out again. No, no, they'll send Stockdale out again. That that would do more damage if they didn't pick him again. If he went, oh, we've had one poor game. We're gonna. Uh, so you, we're not gonna you, let you put it right. So do you you agree with the Azikwe substitution? But you wouldn't drop Stockdale. Well, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have uh, Azikwe involved next week or whatever. I mean, you've got to treat him very, very carefully and sensitively, and you know, put your arm around him or or whatever. Um, but no, I would. Stockdale because he's been so good in the Six Nations, yeah, record-breaking Six Nations. You've got to give him. You've got to. So a few, it's, it's not like it's not the same as is making his first England start. So a few years ago, when I say a few years ago, it must be a decade ago now. But I remember the Rugby Championship, and it was people, players like Joe Roth, Matt Burke, Chris Latham. You know, proper yeah. classic Kiwis. Yeah, and uh, Kiwis. Aussies. Sorry, Aussies, and they were playing the Kiwis. And they spotted a weakness in one of the Kiwi players. It was Joe Malomo. And they did exact, exactly the same thing, which they just put high balls on him all day long and sent Joe Roth or... I can't remember Joe Roth or Matt Burke up all day on that wing. The, op- the other options they've got, um, the wingers, they've only got... They've got five back three players. Jordan Lama and Rob Carney. And then wingers, Andrew Conway, Keith Earls, Jacob Stockdale. Nice. No, they'll be fine. It's just you know, it's one of those things. They were they were winning, weren't they? Like sixty minutes in, yeah, they took the lead. 
uh, they will be fine. They're an absolute cracking team. And it's like players like Lama coming on. I mean, the things that that boy can do. I, I was certain that he was going to scoop up that ball just like the final and score. In fact, when he dropped it, that for me was the rugby god saying, uh, no, no, not today. But they'll, 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 they'll be fine. There's nothing to worry about. No, it's, it, no, I don't think. It's only, like you say, pick those few first, first choice players. But I do think it's wrong of Ireland fans to claim that that was a second string Irish team. There's only a handful. No, there's only a, handful. a couple of players. It was a few. Yeah, that's... That could comfortably be an Ireland team for the Six Nations. Yeah, comfortably, hundred percent. So, no panic. They'll only change a couple, and yeah, well, we'll get into what we think about next week. And then Wales, who hell of a win. Yeah, stopped it from being a Southern Hemisphere whitewash. Uh, this was such a good win. So, I was a little bit worried that they were going to basically blow it by putting out. A weakened team, because Wales don't have the strength of depth of Ireland or, or England. But they're also going to give guys a go like James Davis. I think James Davis on a big pack would be really good. Mm. But they gave him a smaller pack and I thought, oh, is he going to get bullied? Is the pack going to get bullied? Is he not going to be able to be his usual self uh, you know, as he, is, as, he is, as he is for Scarlets? Well, not one bit of it. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. I, I also think Hadley Parks is one of the classiest rugby players I mean, he just doesn't do things wrong. He, he is the key to the way Wales play. He, he, yeah. he, he really, in attack and defence, he's the he's the linchpin now, which is why it's it's so lucky that he has a properly Welsh-sounding name. Yeah, it, it actually is. Hadley Parks. There is no... It's not like he's called, I don't know, Tulupe Falatau or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, by the way, Tulupe Falatau is legitimately Welsh. 100%. For, for the record. But, yeah, you know, no, no eyebrows are raised one bit where uh, Hadley Parks gets on the ball. But he's so good. He's so calm, he has loads of time, he's just one of the classiest players currently playing international rugby. And he doesn't he doesn't necessarily even look like an international rugby player. I'd love him in the England squad, I really would. Yeah, he's he he he's fantastic. And it does feel like Wales are making that transition now that Bigger's off to Northampton. God knows why he's gonna do that. Um Webb has gone to Toulon, so he won't be eligible. Uh yeah, and it's do you know what's coincided? Um Scarlet's Again, I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Warren Gatlin when I say this, but Scarlets have been the catalyst for Wales. Have they? So yeah. I've been thinking about this. I had a long walk with the dog yesterday, and I had to think about Eddie Jones and Warren Gatland and just what a phenomenal coach Warren Gatland is. And no one gives him even a modicum of the credit that he deserves. One drawn Lions test, one 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 Lions test, you know, two two Grand Slams. Every time Wales get to World Cup, they're a serious proposition. Yeah. They won. They they ruined England's World Cup. Yeah. In England. Yeah. They got to a semi final the year before that. I mean, they are. What he does, it's it's amazing. He's always calm. He's always predictable. Like, well, no, maybe not predictable. But he's not going to be picking Mike Brown on the wing. Any any. Uh, no, and, and I'm not knocking it. And as I said, I don't want to take anything away because yeah. he is ultimately the person that selects it. I'm just saying that the the resurgence of Wales has absolutely coincided and I don't think you can detach one from the other with no, Scarlet's I think that's very important. with Scarlet's being on this huge upward curve that's and like, playing the type of rugby they're like playing. Glasgow and Glasgow and Scotland. Yeah. When Glasgow got good, Scotland got good. When yeah. Leicester are good, Ireland are good. Yeah. Know, I don't think yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. But I think I think Gatland has has got the confidence to pick enough Scarlet's and to say to the to the guys through the Welsh squad, basically taking on the characteristics 
of the way Scarlett's play with the national side, and it's working. It really is. He's so smart. I, what he isn't is he isn't a guy who's wedded to a, a certain idea. So when he first showed up, the whole team, except for uh, two players who escaped me, were all Ospreys. And I can't remember who the non-Ospreys were, but there were two players. Mark Jones and someone else was not an Osprey. And they go and win a Grand Slam. And they've got uh, Henson, they've got, oh, Shankin was the one, the Henson-Shankin combo, which produced some very, very nice wide, wide rugby. Then you go, go through to the bigger version of his teams, where he's got Jamie Roberts coming in at 12, who never played 12, until Gatlin said, yeah, you're going to have to play 12 now. He develops through that, and you can see it opening up again. And he just picks the right players in the right sort of system for what he happens to have available at that time. Like, I tell you what, if England could get Gatland for the next World Cup cycle, I don't think, I just think England would be the best team in the world by miles. By miles and miles and miles and miles. That's a massive statement. Yeah. Uh, A couple of things I want to mention on this Wales game. One, the the Channel 4 adverts suggest to me that core the core of Wales's international TV watching rugby fans have erectile dysfunction issues. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a bunch of erectile dysfunction adverts. Oh, it's available over the counter now, mate. Yeah, quite. Uh, and the other one is, um, I just want to have a, bit, a def- big mention, my man of the match was Ross Moriarty's chin. Ooh, why? What happens to Mo- well, his, chin? Uh, Ross Moriarty's face had more turnovers than, than the entire English <laughs> back row. <laughs> <laughs> he managed to dislodge a ball with his face. Yeah, he's playing all right, isn't he? I don't, do you know what? Wales' back row options are so ridiculous. I'm not even sure he'll make the World Cup squad. That's how ridiculous it is. Bonkers. There's a couple of sevens. I'd love Thomas Young. And Wales, oh, Thomas Young, yeah, Wales don't him. need him. I'd love him. Um, also, Rhys Patchell, uh, he managed 60 minutes, but that was that was too long. I was thinking as I was watching him, get him out of the sun. His... His head was the, like this, looked like it was the same heat as the inside of a McDonald's apple pie. Yeah, he um, he's not sun safe, is he? <laughs> no, he's really not. The game was Wales played well. The game was the slowest of the whole weekend by a mile, by a mile. And I, so before I get too excited about Wales, I would, I would really love to see Wales play at the pace that Ireland and England were forced to try and keep up with. Yeah, well, thankfully they're not going to have to do that, I don't think, because I don't think the Argentines really want to do that. So, until, I guess, the, aut- the autumns, we're not going to know exactly how good this Wales outfit will be. I don't think they're the finished product. I think next Six Nations, they will be, you know, maybe two ranked second or third. But they'll, they'll be all right come World Cup. They'll, they'll be a tidy unit. And of all the games I watched this weekend, the two teams I'm most excited about, or I think will improve the most, the next few months are going to be Wales and South Africa. Yeah. Um, Argentina toothless in attack yeah which is weird given how Jaguares have been playing yeah it's when they mesh it with with everyone else I I don't I don't know I don't know you would have thought wouldn't you that it'd be like a Scarlet's Wales Glasgow Scotland type situation if Jaguares do well maybe Jaguars hang on Jaguars do well well. the Pumas do well wasn't the originally it was actually a mistake that Argentina got called the Pumas yeah, the Jaguars. It was, it was actually the Jaguars, and then I think it might have been an English journalist got it wrong and yeah, wrote down. That's exactly what, ha- wrote exactly down what happened. Wrote down Pumas. It's actually the Jaguars are the real national team. Yeah. Uh, Geronimo de la Fuente, is there a better name in world rugby? Not that I know of. Khaleesi, maybe. Khaleesi is pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty good name. Um, Gareth, you talked about Aaron Smith being annoying. Gareth Davis, every time he's not 
scoring tries. He's one of the most annoying rugby players on earth. He is annoying. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He's so he's so powerful though. Do you know what mm. I think? Yeah. So explosive. Wales have always had that. Um, think back to. I remember when I used to go and watch Bath. I was living in Bath, and Gareth Cooper and Andy Williams were the two scrum halves, yeah. two Bath Welsh scrum halves. They just Wales dealing these like all fast twitch Gareth Cooper scrum was halves, just, just a ball of fast twitch muscle. Yeah, that's all he was. Yeah, Wales do that. So yeah, I was impressed with Wales. Like you said, I'm excited for them. I don't think it's going to be a vintage tour. I think it's going to be it's going to be the least entertaining to watch just because of the pace of the game but I don't want to take anything away from from Wales hmm Uh, next week yeah next week so it's just obviously the same games again Um, England go to Bloemfontein again again at altitude they're training at sea level again they're training in Durban they do say that though don't they what's that so like if you're playing at altitude either stay all the time at altitude or get out and come back well, no, it's the other way around. What the, the way people use oh. altitude is they they go to altitude to train, and then on the uh, close to a game, go down to sea level where the game is or the races or whatever. Because then you, it takes a while. It takes a little while for some of the positive training effects of altitude to wear off. So you might get the benefit of them oh. at sea level. But I don't think it takes something like six to eight weeks to properly acclimatise at altitude, which is why England are just going. You know what? We're just gonna. I see. We're going to get our training base in Durban. Durban's nice. Have you ever been to Durban? No. I'd, oh, it's I'd, so good. I do want to go to South Africa. Durban's great. Cape Town's great. Really, really good, actually. Uh, so we have... Oh, you all right? Yeah, good. Uh, we have... On... Hold on a second. Oh, Saturday the 16th of June. Oh, we did... Canada hammered Canada, uh, Scotland hammered Canada as well. Yeah, okay, well done. Great, good. And uh, USA hammered Russia. God knows how Russia are going to cope with the World Cup. I know. Whoever qualifies now that Spain and Romania have been robbed of a. It was Russia, well, isn't it? Well, no, yeah, I know R- Russia, but then the repechage as well. Oh, right. Germany, Portugal, or whatever. Yeah, it could be embarrassing. Could be embarrassing for them. So, um, Japan, Italy. Oh, yeah, Japan got a great win against Italy. That was good as well. Good. I didn't see any of the game, but yeah, it is good. I so like six a.m. Uh, next Saturday morning, Japan, Italy. Don't care. Uh, Japan win, whatever. Yep. Well done, Japan. Eight uh, thirty-five a.m. New Zealand v France. New Zealand. New Zealand comfortably. Eleven a.m. Australia versus Ireland. Ireland. I think Ireland will win as well. Um, uh, one thing we haven't mentioned: Michael Checker's good luck. Oh, wa- good luck waving cats. Yes, the cats. Is what? that a new thing? No idea. But I imagine they're going to order a million waving cats now. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's got anything to do with the Japanese World Cup, or is it... I've got... I know friends that have got one of those in their in their living room. Yeah, my friend's got one. But mm, anyway. I've got no idea. Don't know why it's there. Uh, Australia, Ireland. Uh, both going for Ireland. South Africa v England. 5 past 4pm kick-off. Bloemfontein. South Africa. Energised. I think, the, I think they're going to sell some more tickets now. That crowd will be going wild because yeah. they re- it's in their blood. You know, we like rugby, but it's not stitched into our fibre like it is a, like it is a South African. So, I just I can see it been getting worse for England before it gets better. It's going so down to Eddie Jones, right? Does he want to be the Messiah and make all these stupid picks, or is he actually going to do what a normal human would do and put out the right team? If he puts out the right team, England can win. 
I don't think they will, and I don't think he will. Well, I think, unfortunately for England, the bubble's well and truly burst, and teams now know that the way to beat them is just with an all-out, pacey, well, fast game. Well, so, you know, if you want to beat them, it's up to you how you beat them. You can beat them in the set piece, you can beat them through the middle by uh, overpowering them, or you can beat, beat them on the outside. So uh, it doesn't strike me they've got any... <laughs> there is no way you can't beat England. Well, Faf de Klerk said that we knew that England was staying at sea level, so we wanted to take advantage. We knew they were going to get a bit tired on the high vault. Oh, I went for a drink with... Um, I didn't go for a drink. Well, I had a drink with Marlon Jord on Thursday. Did you? Yeah, me and Phil were out, and we bumped into him. Nice chap. Good. Yeah, so I thought I'd, uh, thought I'd th- 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 throw in that. Good lad, how's his, uh, what's he doing for his off-season? I thought he might have been on a, in a hammock somewhere. Uh, well, strange you mention it, he's off to Bali for his, for his holidays. Is he? Yeah, really really nice chap. Bloody massive, actually. Yeah. Like, do you know, like, he's not that tall, but like you always say, depth. Depth. The, the thickness of the thickness player. Thickness yeah. of him. A substantial human. Uh, yeah, which is why I would love to see a professional rugby player spend their off-season on Love Island. Love Island! I was about to say Love Island! <laughs> yeah, I really would. Modern would be amazing on Love because Island. Because these guys that are these sculpted, you know, fine, they've, they've done very well to get a very low percentage body fat. They're not big lads. They're not big Correct. They're not big... Mind you, have you seen the Love Island contestants this year? Yeah. There's only one guy who looks like he's seen the gym. The others... But, but he's like five foot two or something. Yeah, but you know he's seen a gym, but not, not like he hasn't done proper shifting work. He's actually just fair play to him. It takes a lot of discipline. He's just eaten nothing but egg whites and well, ve- vegetables he, for two he years. He did. If you're thinking about the same guy I'm thinking of, he actually applied to be a wrestler, and I'm sure he's a, he's on a bit more um, advan- a bit more of an advanced diet at that point because he was absolutely enormous. Really, but like WWE enormous, approaching that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. So in interest. Interesting, Love Island chat. We should do a Love Island podcast. I'd be up for I, that. I, t- I tell you what. I'd genuinely our, be up for that. Our figures, despite the bloody four and a half years of work we've done, week after week, putting into this. If we did a Love Island podcast, we'd probably exceed our figures overnight. <laughs> and I think it would be a a refreshing take on a national phenomenon. It's um, I've got a lot I could say about Love Island. I really have. Oh, it's a, it's the strategy. It's so immoral. <laughs> it really is. It's like it's morally bankrupt. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones without any death or swords. <laughs> yeah, it's just and and having a daughter. Do you? Does it not make you? I'm so like. Oh God. Oh. I mean, Lucy for you is a lot younger. I've got flipping heck. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a fascinating show. It is, it is fascinating. a fascinating show. But if, if we can make a plea, could a professional rugby player spend their off-season on Love Island? And Who would t- you actually most show love? People- Sorry? Who would you most love to see in, in Love Island? Well, I mean, it's too obvious to say Super Gav, Big Gavin Yeah, Anderson. forget that. It's he's, too obvious. He's too much like them. I reckon. Oh, do you know what? Oh, yes. Jonathan Joseph would clean up. So he's got he's yeah. got that GQ body. Yeah, so you're looking tiny at, waist. So you're looking at the Jonathan Josephs of this world. You're looking at you know, the uh, who else? Who you, else is devilishly? Oh, Henry Slade. Henry Slade. Yeah, totally. Um, Clean up. Sergio Parise. Oh my goodness me! I mean, yeah. he's, he's too old. So I think you need to go somewhere like South Africa, right? And I would go for the ultimate. Do you know, like the ultimate? No nonsense. Probably quite religious. Very short, not as in short-tempered, and short with the way they speak South African. That, that, that's the way I'd go. Like, 
Dwayne, Dwayne Vermorlin. That that would that would be the ultimate. Six foot five, eighteen stone. <laughs> grunts a lot. I mean, that that'd be that'd be the guy <laughs> yeah. that I want in Love Island. Yes. Or maybe a prop, Carl Heyman. A prop, Carl Heyman actually, a prop would be good. Um, think of a ju- like Kieran Brooks. <laughs> yeah, K- no. Kieran Brooks, just like like uh, Steve Diamond. <laughs> wow, <laughs> he would run that show. He would run that show. He would. He would turn all of those <laughs> all those people into young apprentices for diamond construction <laughs> labourers. That might have some moral fibre to that show if that were the case. Then <laughs> teaching the value of work. Wow. Well, that's a, that, that's this week's Love Island. We, we should cover a little section every week for Love Island. Yeah, let's have a Love Island section on the podcast, and we can have a love. We can have an egg. Right. Okay. If we could do an option, because people don't have to download it, we could do a short. Not on our feed. No way. No, not on our feed. Not on my feed. Not no. a chance. But no. we can put one on a different feed. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, we'll explore that possibility. So, uh, do you think England... Do you think it's going to get worse for England? South Africa are going to win again? Yes. Yeah, I think they're going to win. I think South Africa will not give up the points that they did at early doors. So, England are going to have to come up with something pretty special to beat South Africa. That's uh, my opinion. I am very, very, very worried. I think it's turned into a nightmare. And I... I mean, I predicted a narrow South African win last week. And I was hoping I was wrong. I'm not, and I, I I do think South Africa are going to win again. <sighs> Wales, Argentina, Argentina, Wales, Wales, Wales. There you go. Podcast done. One done. fifteen. Yeah, is that all? That's all. That's all we did, mate. That's Good. Keeping it well, nice and tight. Nice one, Phil. Yeah, thanks for nothing, Phil. Thanks for nothing, Phil. Uh, and we'll have to keep you updated about the podcast next week because for the only the second time in four and a half years, or nearly five years as it is now, I will not be. In the dungeon. Where will you be? I'll be in Gran Canaria. Oh, Puerto that's... Rico, to be precise. Trying to source a bar to... Uh, Hold on, Puerto, Puerto Rico? Yeah. Isn't that a... Yeah. Isn't that gym. like a 51st state of America now? It is... Uh, no, that's not Gran Canaria. That's... No, no, it is. You're, you're, you're going to the Caribbean? No, no, no. The... Gran Canaria, there is Puerto Rico in... Oh, right. In Gran Canaria. Is that a city or an island? It's a tiny little... It's a, a small little touristy town. Brits, very Brits of Oh, I see. So it's a town rather than the... Yeah, yeah. Got you. So I'll be going there, which will be lovely. So I don't know how we're going to record next week, but we'll sort something out. We always do. When are you... Mm. So when are you away? Uh, Saturday to Saturday. Obviously, your house isn't empty, by the way. So it's, uh, there's no, no, someone no. living in your house oh, the whole always. Time. Yes, always. So, yeah, that'll, that'll be that. Oh, well, we'll work that out. But in the meantime, let the boys play. Let the boys play, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.